we have learned to come to the parables of Jesus with a right attitude. How's your attitude this morning? Is it good? We are so glad to have each and every one of you here this morning. We're so glad to have our visitors this morning. We've been studying the, the life of Christ as a sermon series this year. And for the last three times, this being the third time, we've looked at the parables of Jesus Christ. To see how Jesus taught when he was walking around on this earth. We have studied why Jesus spoke in parables. He spoke in parables we learned to conceal and, and to reveal. To conceal the truth from, well, we talked about it a little bit last week. To conceal the truth from those a little bit too lazy to find out. And to reveal the truth to those who are willing to seek. Those who have, well, the right attitude. This is part three of the teaching of the teaching life of Jesus. First, why he spoke in parables. Last week we talked about what the parables were about. They were and are about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the church. And today we focus on one parable. If you would please turn your Bibles again to Matthew chapter 13. This parable in Matthew chapter 13 was told to a multitude of people by the sea. And like those people 2,000 years ago, here in Matthew chapter 13, you have a decision to make. Do you want to know what this parable means Do you want to understand if this parable applies to your life today or not? You may not want to listen anymore. That's your right. Mentally, emotionally, physically, turn me off. It's all right. That's your, that's your right. You may listen and know what is meant by today's parable, but fail to apply it to your life. That too is your right. But you may listen today with the right attitude, with the right heart, the right mind, and know what's said, and know what decision you need to make. Today, if you will hear with understanding... You will know before you leave if you are a wheat or a tear. And based on this, you'll know much more. For today, we deal with this wonderful chapter in Matthew chapter 13. And one particular parable, we dial down this chapter and understand the meaning and depth of a parable that talks about the kingdom of heaven, the church. The parable of the wheat and tares in Matthew chapter 13 
told beginning in, Ma in, in Matthew chapter 13 verse 24 was told to a multitude of people as we've learned these last times that we've talked about this was told to a multitude of people on a beach there were so many people on the beach that Jesus had to get into a boat and then he explained it in verse 37 to those who wanted to know more in chapter 13, Jesus comes out of the house. He was standing in a boat on the shore, and he fulfills prophecy, as we read, as he teaches the crowd in parables. Jesus tells the parable of the sower, if you remember, explaining four types of people who come to God's, who hear God's word, and what happens to those four types of people. The disciples in verse 10, they want to know, well, why parables? Why do you, why do you teach in parables? And Jesus tells them why, as we've talked about, to, to conceal and reveal the truth. Conceal the truth to those who really don't want to know and reveal the truth to those who really do want to know. Then he gives the explanation of the parable of the sower in verse 18. The explanation for which I am personally grateful. I am personally grateful for this explanation. Without the explanation, I would be at a loss to tell you what the parable of the sower really meant. And then, verse 24, another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. When the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, The enemy has done this. An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? Verse 29, But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. In chapter 13, Jesus explains the parable of the sower and this parable of the tares and the wheat. And I am again grateful to our Lord for the explanation for I would not have known fully what he meant but with the explanation of the sower and, and the explanation of the parable we've just read we can better understand the other six parables that are in this great chapter but this parable for me is extra special because without some extra digging I would still be a bit lost, even with the explanation. In the world we live in, some will go home and they will not understand what Jesus meant by this parable. Even with the written explanation that we're about to, about to see, people will go home and not understand. We live in a hurried world. It's hard to be still and take the time to understand, isn't it? But you can understand. You can understand. All you've got to do is seek. All you've got to do is, is knock. And you can understand. 
Alexander Campbell, I've told this before for the visitors, I'll, I'll say it again. Alexander Campbell <clears throat> had a great analogy. He said, if I was standing outside of this, this building and you called my name, I would not understand you. To understand what you are saying, I've got to come within an understanding distance, don't I? Let's come to within an understanding distance today to the parable of the wheat and tares. This parable is one of the harder for me to understand. I wonder if those on the shore and in the house some 2,000 years ago had an advantage over my understanding because they were familiar with the farming of the day and the crops that were grown. I, I was born in Dixon, Tennessee. I wasn't born on a farm. <laughs> my father's hobby, uh, we were talking about this earlier, my father's hobby was, was building houses every few, every few years. He, he was good at it. I'm not good at building anything. But I became very good with a pick and a shovel and a wheelbarrow and a rock shovel and a rock rake. became very good with those. Doing what I was told, I learned how to stack lumber and sheetrock, and I learned to hold up my end of a board or a couch, <laughs> depending on if I was moving or not. But I grew up knowing only a little about wheat or, or raising a crop. I didn't know much about that. I, I had a garden one year, my own garden, but that was about it. I, I, you know, I grew up in the suburbs. About wheat and tares, I know very little. So reading this parable... I feel that I'm kind of at a little bit of a disadvantage. I mean, what's a tear? <laughs> what's a tear? I, you know, as some of you may know, and you could expound upon this plant very well and give a, a very accurate description of what a tear is, but some of you, you're like me, aren't you? Some of you, you want to understand what the parable's trying to say, don't you? Well, I do too. So do I. But without a little extra digging, I, I couldn't know. And by digging and finding out, I feel kind of a, a kinsman bond to those who went into the house and they, they, they heard the explanation. In verse 36, they went into the house with Jesus and they heard the explanation. But remember, knowing, knowing does me no good unless I'm able to apply it to my life. I can know all about this parable. I can know the ins and outs of it. But if I don't apply this to my life, I've really understood and learned nothing. Now, without knowing what a tear is, I can get the gist of what Jesus is trying to say. In verse 36, they asked Jesus to explain the parable, verse 37, he answered and said to them, He who sows good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Now I know what good seed is. I've bought my share of Kentucky 31 and, and straw. Uh, the sower of the good seed represents Jesus. I can understand that. I know what a field is. I've been in one or two of them before in my life. 
It represents the world. I get that. I understand that the good seeds sown by the Lord are the, are the sons of the kingdom, those who were disciples of Jesus at this time, at, at the telling of this parable, who are Christians today. I get that. I understand that. And I understand that the enemy is the devil. I get, I get understand what Jesus means there. I understand the harvest to be the end of time. I understand the reapers to be the angels because our Lord says so. Very plain. I even understand that the tares were bad and they were the sons of the wicked one. They were the, the sons of the devil who, who sold them. I, I get that. But what's a tear? Are any of you as ignorant as I am or I was? Wheat represents the children of God. The church has been seated with the best people you'll ever meet. The true church has. Real Christians. If you ever meet one, you'll know it. Wheat is life-giving. It's used for bread. Wheat has nutrients to benefit. Feeds the people of the world. We understand wheat. Contrast to wheat, Jesus calls the sons of the devil. He calls them tares. They symbolize the counterfeits that are within the church. They are the false grain. They are, I call them church people. You know what I'm talking about. You, you, you'll know a real Christian when you meet them. But if you know church people too, they carry a big, you may be one, I don't know. They carry a big Bible. They dress really nice. They, they drive and they come in their own time. And they sit in the pews and they sing and they leave. And they could care less about your soul. church people. This is a form of the original Greek word, zizanion. It's used in other words, used in other languages today. Some use the French word for tares, darnel. Some Bible translations use this word, my inner, my inner linear does. Darnel reveals the, the detrimental quality of this weed, this false grain, this tear. Darnell in French, you know what it means? Drunkenness. Drunkenness. According to ccg.org, when Darnell is ground in a flour, baked in a bread, and consumed when hot, the eater may experience symptoms similar to drunkenness, including, now, here are the side effects before you go out and grow you a patch. All right? Trembling, the inability to walk, hindered speech and vomiting. Sounds like a drunkard to me, doesn't it, you? In addition, Darnell, it says, is, is, is commonly infected by the ergot fungus, which in large doses can do heavy damage to the central nervous system. The Greeks and Romans... They wrote that this fungus called, caused blindness. In fact, they even had an insult using this word. They had an insult to say that someone lived on Darnell. That was the insult. Well, they live on Darnell. It meant that they were dim-sided or short-sighted. 
Now, the description could certainly apply to those of the world today who do not want to be in the light. They would rather be in the darkness. They are hard-hearted. They are dim-sided. They are deaf. But there's hope. Look over at Matthew 13, verse 15. There's hope. The blind, the dull, the deaf, if they could see with their eyes, if they could hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, the Lord God says, I'll heal them. There's hope. But these blind, deaf, hard-hearted people are sown in the world and they're sown in the church too. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. They are the tares. Tares resemble wheat. If you can see on the screen, they, they resemble wheat when it grows along with wheat. It looks exactly the same until the time of harvest. As is pointed out in the parable, the tare grains turn dark gray. They are false grains. They are sown by the enemy. Wheat berries are large and golden, and they, 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 they just even looking at them, they, they look like they hold life. Tear berries are small and gray. And they're good only for the furnace or feed. Horses can eat them without any side effects. In the parable, if the landowner, if he attempted to get rid of the tares, before it was time, the wheat would have been damaged in the process. Today, chemicals target tares and modern farming equipment. Make sure that it's not in your loaf of bread when you go to the supermarket and buy it. But the wheat and the tares will grow here. You hear me? We'll grow here until the end of time. Which one are you? A wheat or a tear? Back then, the business of getting rid of the tares at harvest was up to the women and the children. This is a, a very old photograph, one of the last known photographs of this actually being done by hand. This is from the turn of the last century, the turn of the 1900th century, showing women and children by hand going into the field and tearing out the tares. By hand they pulled them up, bundled them up, threw them into the fire, so that the seeds would never be a problem again. Notice some observations. Verse 40. The tares are those who are sons of the devil. Why? Because they will not obey God. There are only two sides. You're either for him or against him. Right? If you have not obeyed the gospel or if you live with unresolved sin as one of our elders just prayed that you might do, resolve it. You are of your father the devil. You are a tear. 
Yeah, sitting in this room. And the tares you will be taken care of, verse 40, in God's own way and in God's own time. God knows who His are. God knows whose His are. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. He will instruct the angels, it says, concerning whom to gather and whom to bundle and whom to burn. Verse 41, the Son of Man will, will, will send out His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend. All things that offend God Almighty. The enemies of God are in the world and they are in the kingdom and they are sitting beside you right now. It might be even you. Apply the parable to your life. Don't look at your neighbor. Apply the parable to your, your life. Do you offend? Well, do you obey? If you don't obey, then you offend. You see, God has commanded you to do certain things, to live in a peculiar way. When you don't, there's a problem. You have a problem. There's a sin problem. And when Jesus Christ comes back again, He's going to take care of the problems. You understand? At the harvest, those are known to be bad by their fruit. Verse 42, those who offend, those who habitually break God's law and will not stop, who will not obey, who give lip service, who remain deaf, who remain mute, who remain blind and hard-hearted in spiritual matters, those who consider the Christian life lame. These, verse 42, will be properly dealt with. The angels will gather these false grains, these false teachers, these disobedient, these false fake Christians, these worldly wisdom cheats. And they will be, verse 42, cast into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. I was in Dana's third grade class a few weeks ago, and they asked me, what does gnashing mean? And I can't explain it. I can just show you what it means. You remember, you've been hurt before. Have you ever been hurt before? Have you ever been burned? Have you ever broke a leg? You're, you've been in pain? And you, you oh, for eternity. Oh, forever. Oh, without end. Remember, we, we talked about this last week. Don't, don't, don't read too much in the parable and try to find hidden meanings. I mean, it's pretty plain. Take Jesus for what He says here. It's a pretty plain parable when He gives the explanation. Take Jesus' Word and apply it to your life. Okay? Take this and apply it to your life. To say that one is always a wheat and there will always be a wheat. To say that one is a tear and if you consider yourself a tear and that you'll always be a tear, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, you've missed the point of, of the parable. It, it, that, that kind of a meaning is inconsistent with the rest of Scripture, you see. 
That's not what Jesus is trying to say. The rest of Scripture says, namely, that God is long-suffering. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. He's long-suffering. He wants everybody to repent. He wants everybody to come to Him. But you can know before the harvest what you are. You can know before the end of time what you are. Now, did you want to know? Do you understand? Are you righteous? Are you? Well, verse 43, look. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Hey, that's the barn. That's heaven. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Did you hear? Did you come within an understanding distance to this parable today? Do you understand? Are you a wheat or tear. What do you want to be? What do you want to be? In Christ, all things are made new. Hey, let's go to the barn together.